Hey friends, it's Corey Andrew Powell here, letting you know it's time to treat yourself with an exclusive Motivational Mondays deal at the NSLS shop. Listeners get 20% off shop-wide with the code MONDAYS. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Need a new coffee tumbler? Or perhaps you want to keep it classy with a new hardcover notebook? Well, get them on sale. Listen, with this deal, I'm tempted to trade in my bow tie collection for one of those cute NSLS hoodies. And don't forget, use code MONDAYS at checkout. That's M-O-N-D-A-Y-S. Enjoy that 20% off at shop.nsls.org. And stay motivated, leaders. Stay motivated. Hello, everyone. I am Corey Andrew Powell, and I'm joined today by Dr. Cynthia Hickman. Dr. Hickman is a retired registered nurse of nearly 27 years, and she's also the founder and CEO of Your Proactive Caregiver Advocate, which is a platform to educate and inform of the importance of being proactive and mindful in our aging population. I'm so happy to have you here today. Welcome to Motivational Mondays. Thank you, Corey. So good to be here. So nice to finally see you, meet you, hang out with you. I'm elated. Yes. Well, for me too. And I will just let everyone know you were so kind. You reached out to me a while back, a few months ago, uh, and you had watched an episode uh, or two, maybe. Oh, and you reached out to me on LinkedIn, and we started talking there. And when I saw that you were, I guess, an expert on how to start caring for an aging population. At that time, my family and I were going through two very difficult times with that exact thing. My, yeah, it was so I was like, okay, I want to have this conversation, but I probably am too emotional at that <laughs> at that time. So yeah, so here we are now. And so just to begin, I want to let everyone know, as I mentioned, you did leave a career uh after 27 years as a registered, was it a, a, an acute care cardiologist? Correct. Cardiologist, nurse. Yes. In the Texas Medical Center here in Houston, Texas. Yes. I walked away, Corey. One day I, I actually went to a nursing conference and I had left capable individuals with mom. But when I came back, mom was different. She just looked different. Things were just, you know. So I went to work that next day, Corey. And I just out of the, I don't know. I just, it just, just happened. You know, so that next that I came home that night, wrote a resignation letter. And at the same time, my daughter was asking me to write a letter for a leadership or something, Corey. And so I wrote her letter, wrote my letter. So when she asked me to send her her letter, I sent her my resignation letter because I wasn't going to tell anybody. I just needed to do it. So when I did that, I, I went to work and I said, you know, I can get another job. I can't get another mother. And I left my job on August 13th, 2013, which was her birthday. Walked away. Yeah. Just walked away. And you decided that that was in order for you to be her full-time caregiver. Full-time caregiver. Correct. Mm. Her full-time caregiver from day up to sundown. I needed to be at home with her, watching what needed to occur, uh, providing what she needed. It was just necessary. Mm-hmm. And we hear these stories often and people don't realize that it's a, I guess it's a, a multi-pronged situation because you just simplified it with, well, I had to go take care of her and make sure everything was okay. But under that, there are all these nuances that we're not prepared for very often. And so with that comes, I know you have a, there are a few talking points that you do share in your work, but for example, 
one of the things that I'm going through now with my mom, and she's still able-bodied and, you know, but she's getting older. She's in her seventies. The conversation about knowing what the person's wishes are, should something happen. And that's just one of those situations. But before we get to that, though, tell me a little bit about some of the things you discovered when you said, I'm going to take care of my mom that were part of that, that you had not really anticipated. Right. I think, you know, one of the things, uh, Coy, it was very interesting that because I was a registered nurse, many people thought I had it all together because I'd had a career in nursing and healthcare, So I knew what was going on. Right. So working in the hospital with a lot of support, the first thing that was very strange and different and hard for me was I could no longer push the call button and say, hey, you all come help me. It was me, myself, and I, and of course, my hubby. So when you don't have all the support that you have when you're working in a healthcare environment, and it's now you, you don't have supplies, you don't have all these different things that you can go to the closet and get for someone you're caring for in the hospital, you now have to get it going in the environment that you're in. So the first challenge was really trying to figure out what it is I needed at the time. Because when you hear the word proactive, and that's why I coined myself, my brand is your proactive caregiver advocate, is because we can't go get something in the thick of things. So we have to anticipate. And that was the blessing of being a nurse. We learned how to pay attention subjectively and objectively. So we saw things coming. That was the advantage. Now, all things didn't work out the way I would have liked, but I had that mindset. So it's important to have a mindset of what if, what do you need and what if, and people don't typically have that mindset. And one of the things that I tell people when I speak around, I say to you, have you taken the blinders off? What do I mean by that? If I'm 40, mom's probably 60, if not 70. And what have you observed in the process of watching our parents grow old? What are we thinking? We're not. We're like, we're just going through life because that's what we do. And then what happens is when something just hits us, we're lost. So when I say take the blinders off, I'm asking you to look at first your situation. I'm even asking you to look at your genetic makeup. Because, for example, if you have chronic diseases in your family, they may come your way. So have you prepared for that? And what are you doing to get ready for that? So taking the blinders off means looking at your aging parents, seeing what's happening with them, seeing what might happen, see what has occurred already and what that outcome has been. And how are you going to navigate that situation? Yeah, that is such great advice because you raise a great, a great point. We're always just going and going and, and it's a very fast paced society, even more so now because of technology, everything is instant gratification and no one's really stopping to even realize, wait, I'm older. So that means mom is clearly older. We're not even stopping. And you're right. It wasn't for me until we were faced with my grandfather getting ill and God bless him. He was like 91 when it happened and still, still capable minded, but just the body was failing. But that triggered me saying, well, wait, if he was that age, my mom is like, right. Getting up there. And then I'm right under there. So it wasn't like it was just one layer. I had to think about what am I doing to make sure I'm around to take care of my mom? Am I making the right choices to be healthy as much as I can? 
so much to think of that I had not thought of before. Well, I'm glad you thought of it because a lot of people don't until, like you're saying, it's in your face and now you have to. And it's really a different mindset when it pops in your face and you have to. You know, you get angry, you get frustrated, you get you get annoyed because now you have to. But if you think in the proactive perspective, then you can kind of anticipate some of the things that could occur. You know, some of the things that could occur where you can kind of be on top of things. Uh, and one of the things I say all the time is our parents are private. You know, my mom was from that area where they didn't talk and, you know, and, you know, everything's hidden and they don't want you to know what's going on. And then if they crash and burn, now you're stuck with. So it becomes a dinner table kind of thing. Hey, mom, what you want to do? You, you want to be burned or you want to be married? Right, right. You know, you say it jokingly, but in, your, in the back of your mind, you're really saying I'm having these conversations because. I kind of need daddy's comment. Who's your banker? Where's your birth certificate? Hey, was daddy in the military? Do you have his, do you have his military uh, discharge papers? Because you need those in case of death. So you kind of start playing these games where they may not know that you're really policing them, but you are because these are very important. And these are the things I learned, Corey, which is how I wrote that second book, because a lot of things that my mom had in place you know, was so helpful, but a lot of people don't have things in yeah, place and yeah. you just end up in that rat race of so much dress. Yeah. Oh, a dear friend of mine lost his mother last year. And I remember I would call him to check on him and we'd have these great conversations. And he'd tell me about how he had to ask his mother exactly about where papers were located, for example, which seems very mundane. But when you, when something happens and you can't ask her, you might tear the house up trying to find her last will or her last wishes or whatever it may be. And so he said, you know, he had to sit down and have the conversation with her. And towards that stage in her life, she was really comfortable with like, okay, boy, let me tell you how we're going to do it. This is because she was, she knew she was on her way out and together. They collectively came to that, that strategy. So I will tell you that it triggered me to have that conversation with my mom. And I have to tell you that I thought of you. Oh my goodness. I'm going to tell you, I, cause I had not had these thoughts really until you reached out to me and I began to read, uh, to read about your bio and who you were and what you did. And at that point, my family was just starting to kind of go through these things, but I don't know if I would have been so conscious of it. You know, you were one of those inspirations that said, you know, I better go ask some questions. Oh, Corey, thank you. But you're right. And they, and we don't think about it. It's not a bad thing, a good thing. It's just a thing that we, you know, it's sort of like, it's interesting because we all know, Corey, we're pilgrims passing through and none of us are going to get out of here alive. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, it's, not it's not exclusive. Right. Right. So, you know, it's sort of like, it's a, it's, people are scared to talk about death or the what if or what happens. And that tends what keeps people from not having those conversations because who wants to talk about I'm going to be stage left out yeah, of here? We don't. Yeah, yeah. But I think that we're at a stage, if the pandemic didn't show us anything, Corey, it should have showed us that we need to pay attention and start doing the things that are important to ourselves and our family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, it's even prompted me now, as I was speaking to you before we began recording, I shared that I'm in a new home that my partner and I purchased. But even in that planning, I 
planned we we planned into that well my mother may have to come live with us at some point she's doing great now but she may have to come live with us so therefore I'm not going to get a house with a second floor. I want everything on one level. I'm not getting any younger. So my knees might not be able to handle stairs in 20 <laughs> years. So, and, right. And so you begin to think about things very differently for sort of like your long haul or your end game, if you will. But you had your first book though. Your first book, was that one basically about the story of you taking care of your mother and the very, I think that was the one called from the lens of, uh, from the lens of daughter, nurse and caregiver. Yeah. The journey of duty and honor. That one was from the journey of taking care of my mom. And I actually wanted her to be a part of that book, Corey. And every time I started it, I couldn't get going. And cause after she died, I found out God in my ear, you know, I couldn't write it until the end of the story had occurred. And then I wrote it backwards. I had to write the most difficult part of it first in order to get to the fun part so people can know a caregiver journey was arduous at times, but there was fun in it. And mom did crazy things, you know, while she was with us. And I shared a story when I was working on my PhD, my mother was an educator and I, and I worked real hard to keep her her uh, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, vision intact. So I gave her my chapter three when I was working on my dissertation with a red pen. Oh, it's actually in the book. Oh, goodness. She must have had a field when day. When she got <laughs> done with that <laughs> chapter, I said, and I thought it was so good. And I made sure I thought, yeah, I had everything correct. When she got done with that chapter, Corey, I said, Mom, thanks. You won't get another check. <laughs> exactly. As we call it, she bled all over the paper, honey. She <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. But it was one of those things where I was trying to do things to add her in it. But because God didn't want it that way, I wrote it after she passed, which was the way I it that helped me grieve because because I was her caregiver, I was her advocate for the business side as well as the medical side. I didn't have time to grieve. Mm. And so writing that book helped me kind of release what I was on the inside, because I was everything to everybody. The grandkids, the siblings, everybody was falling on the chair, flipping over chairs. You know, I'm like, okay, let me stay calm because I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to contact this person, that person. So it was a while before I grieved. And so when I crashed and burned, you know, the book helped me get myself back on track and recognize that I needed to share the journey with others in hopes that they don't end up where I ended up. I love that you answered that question because I literally have a question here and you already answered it. My question was going to be to you. I wondered after going through such a difficult thing as that, uh, what prompted you to relive it and and want to rewrite it? Because that's such a deeply personal story, but you just shared it's part of the advocacy because you know through that experience, you're telling readers what to potentially expect and maybe how to address certain things. Like even when it comes to one thing I love you talk about is the importance of educating yourself on some of the healthcare situations that could arise in the healthcare system or the hospital. So talk a little bit about that. I'm glad you mentioned that because what happens is when you think caregiving, Corey, people think the physical side of caregiving only, but the person has some something going on where they need to have care from the medical side. And most people aren't versed in that. What they look at is the bathing, the bathing, the bathing, the bathing, the clothing, going to bed, giving them medicines and all that. But you have to really realize 
why this person now needs care. In the case of my mom, she ended up with heart failure. But thank God, I worked in heart failure for over 20 years. So my mother did not have a hospitalization from heart failure because I knew what to do. I knew the medications. I knew she had to be weighed based on weight, you determine medicines and all that. But most people just do the physical side, give them their bath, comb their hair, sit them in the chair. But what if someone has a medical condition that you're not familiar with? You must educate yourself because in your quest to do good, you could actually injure mm. someone. Good example, diabetes. We know it's an issue, an issue with the pancreas. It no longer works. And people now, their insulin is not working the way it should. So now they're either on PO medication for blood sugar compliance or insulin. But if you give them too much not, and too little, things could happen. If you're not paying attention to their skin, to their feet, to their skin folds, where a lot of times bacteria folds, which turns into infections. Mm. If they're not able to move about, they get bed sores and you don't understand why. If they're incontinent and you're not cleaning them appropriately, they get sores. That goes into a whole nother enchilada. So you have to also know a little bit about the health condition of your person because you could hurt mm. them if you yeah. don't. And it's, it's amazing to me because everything you're saying, I think so many families have gone through or will go through. As you were saying that story, I was again thinking of a personal family matter with my, my, my grandmother has been gone now maybe 20 something years of colon cancer that spread to her liver. And of mm. course, you know, when you're in your late sixties, you're not really on the transplant list, you know, for a kidney, for, for an organ. But the way we realized something was wrong was because my mother would go over there a lot. And then she one day noticed, she said, you know, she noticed that our grandmother's eyes were not clear. Yellow. They were yellow. Yeah. Absolutely. That's where it began. Yeah. And she said, you know, your eyes don't look clear, mom. What's going on? And she said, no, I'm fine. And she said, no, I don't, I'm not saying how you feel. You don't look right. And my mom really then paid closer attention and she noticed a protrusion in the lower belly. And she said, mom, what's, what is this? Because we thought she was going to the hospital a lot, like normal. She was she was supposedly going, and she was, but somehow doctors didn't notice. And my grandmother said, "Oh, I, I, that's from having five children." My mom's like, "Yeah, you had it like forty years ago, though. There's no, <laughs> there's, there's, no be, there's no baby right. Like, anymore. there's no way that's. But like to your point earlier, the older generation. Oh, I'm fine. No, everything's okay. And so you really have to look after the elders in many cases, because they are from a different time. They don't want to talk about it. So long story short, it ended up being that protrusion was liver that had been in, inflamed and enlarged because it had cancer. So if you get nothing else from this, everyone who's listening and watching and taking Dr. Hickman's advice, just pay attention. And you pay attention and don't let your elders all the time know that you're paying attention because they, I promise you, they act differently when you're staring. So in nursing, we learn subjective and objective observations. So subjective observation would be like you're saying, Granny, how are you feeling today? And they'll give you some song and dance, you know, and if you know, they might say they're feeling fine. But like you said with your grandma, you know, something looks different. Your eyes are yellow, something, something. So you're you're subjectively hearing what they're saying, but you're, you're observing that that might not truly right. be the case. So you have to act on that behavior mm -hmm. because if you don't, you know, you don't want people to have consequences and, and complications of things that you can possibly avoid. Yeah. So the healthcare aspect is very important. And so I, tr I stress with listeners all the time, 
please know a little bit about what's happening with your uh, care recipient, mm-hmm. because otherwise you could harm them and you're not even knowing. Yeah, yeah. And is that something that you cover? So your your second book that you referenced um, a few minutes ago, the first one, of course, was your experience, uh, the 20 years of caring for your mother. But then your second book is more of a resource guide. So tell me about that one. Yes. So the second one really talks about the importance of having tangible information. You know, we're technology savvy now, right? But if your computer die, you drop your phone in the toilet. <laughs> right, right. So it's very important to have tangible information from important phone numbers that might be in your phone, but who else is going to know about what's in your phone? So in mom's case, I had a list of phone numbers in her room on her door. So everybody had access to phone numbers that were important, her doctors, her hospitalization, and so on. So family members that were close, family members that were far. So that was important. Vital statistics. You need to know social security numbers. You need to know date of births. You need to know all those things if you have to operate in their stead. And again, it needs to be tangible because original documents is what people want. They don't want it on your phone. They don't want it scanned in because they won't accept Mm. it. You know, so that's important. Banking information, Corey, financial information, because if you have to operate financially for someone, and if you're not on their bank statement as a beneficiary, you won't have access to the information. So beneficiaries on documents are very, very important. Mm. So that's really, really key. Uh, and then your social support system. Know who your tribe is. And it may not be the older daughter, brother, son all the mm-hmm. time. Sometimes you have to look past who's the oldest. And although they might try to pull that age game on you, but they may not be able, for example, to take mom off the ventilator. Right, right. You know, they may not have that mindset. And so when you talked earlier about important documents, which is in that black book, know your family's wishes. It eliminates the fussing and the squabbling that siblings and other family members do. So know what they want and ask that early. And some people are offended, but other people really, who wants to be plugged up forever? Who wants every tube in every part of the body? People don't want that cord. And allow them to tell you that. Well, you know, again... That's why I know that everything that you were saying is so vital because literally everything you're saying, I've gone through in the past maybe eight to 10 months, okay? From the siblings having discussions about things when maybe one one of them was caring for the parent and the other ones were not. So now they all come together and they have to figure out what's what. It's definitely- They have to like each other again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is, you know, it's just, people- those are very tumultuous times when, you know, someone passes and then you're trying to figure it out. So uh, currently the situation too, with I had to make sure that my mother informed the bank. Yes. She had to write a letter to the bank and say, yes, my son is a third party. You can talk to him about everything and anything. Now I'm an only child. So I, that has its own dynamic, right? When someone dies, but I that's another conversation oh. for another day. You're you're an orphan. You're a, you're going to be an elder. It's orphan. a tricky thing, right? Because then you say, "Well, okay, now me." On top of that, you're compiled with, "Well, wait a minute. I'm not going to maybe have a Corey if I don't have any kids." Or it's a lot of different nuances to go through. But I I did wonder in your case though, are you the eldest of your siblings? I'm not. I'm actually number three. Okay. I didn't mention this, but mom lived in Ohio for all of her life. And when she moved to Texas, 
uh, to, to live with us, it was because she lived in a house with a basement. Mm. And that's the other thing I want to mention to you. As your parents get older, what type of environment are they living in? Because safety is so very important. So mom lived in a house with a house with basements and the hot water heater, the wash and dry, all, all down that good the stuff basement. Oh. with bad knees. So, you know, it just wasn't going to work. So we moved her here. But I say that because a lot of times people don't pay attention to even the safety part of where your parents are living. And it's hard for a person to leave their environment. Mom was in, in Ohio for 50 mm-hmm. years, in Toledo for 50 years, taught there, did all that. And the thing of it is, so you have to work a way out where you're not just snatching somebody right, right. out of their environment. Right. That's so painful. Mm-hmm. So she visited Texas back and forth so she can kind of get a feel of it. And then so when she came, it wasn't as yeah, stressful. Yeah. So that's the other thing, safety of the home. Yeah. I mean, like when I tell you that you are, uh, this is crazy because my mama right now, huh? Washer and dryer and hot water heater and everything. Don't tell, don't tell me. Don't <laughs> and I literally just called her two weeks ago. I'm like, okay, so we're just, I know you're doing good, mom, but we're going to get you like a life alert thing just in case because you go down the stairs a lot and I really would rather you not. But that's where the washer and dryer is. So, I mean- yeah, I'm checking off every box. That's why I say I know if I'm checking off this many boxes of what you're talking about, the whole population has uh, have, have these concerns. They have but to. But, Joy, this is the question that I'm trying to ask, put my head around. Because even when I ask to speak about this, people don't want to hear it until they're faced with it. And that's so unfortunate because the reality is, like you're saying, you're, you're checking boxes and you've checked boxes you know, even based on what I might have said to you, if you've seen in the past, but how many other people haven't even put the box on the paper right. yet? Yeah, yeah. That's the scary part because no one wants to suffer through loss is difficult all by itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and watching someone decline uh, in health is also another sad reality. It happens because there's leaks in our buildings and one day we're going to move yeah, out of them. Yeah. But what can we do to make somebody comfortable in that process. We have to know. We have to be okay with understanding however painful it was to be. To watch my mom in the end from being an independent person who was driving her car, to go went from the, the cane to the wheelchair, to, to the walker to the wheelchair, to not being able to get up out of the bed, for me turning, I mean, that whole process, yeah. you know, I lived it. Mm. And although I tried to enjoy the time I just said to myself, what if that was me, Corey? How would I want to feel? How would I want to be treated? How do I wrap my arm around independence to dependence? Mm. Yeah. In love. Thank you so much for joining me today. Dr. Cynthia J. Hickman, founder of Proactive Caregiver Advocate. It's just a great service. And I'm going to get both your books, just so we're clear on that. Oh, yes, I kind of okay. need them just to, I, it's, a, it's a guide. And I think it's something that we all should have as a resource. So I will get them. And I thank you for being here today. Oh, thank you, Corey. So nice to meet you. Thank you for listening to Motivational Mondays presented by the National Society of Leadership and Success and available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm Corey Andrew Powell, and I'll see you again here next week.